Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. In the NOCO is supported by Blue Federal Credit Union, with locations from Denver to Cheyenne, helping members tap into the power of community. More information at bluefcu.com. You're listening to Colorado Edition from KUNC. I'm Jocelyn Mesa Miranda. Thanks for joining us. It's Friday, February 3rd. A northern Colorado couple that moved to Haiti nearly four decades ago say they can't return to their adopted home because of the strife and political uprising in the Caribbean country. Ron and Carla Blanchi returned to Greeley to visit family last year, but now say they're staying here until things improve in Haiti. KUNC's Mike Lyle sat down with them to discuss the situation they find themselves in. Ron says they feel privileged to be safe in Greeley, but eager to return home to Haiti. I was at Fort Collins uh, at CSU when my family was being born, and um, we went from there to Haiti. But uh, when they, when my kids grew up and got to be 18, they came back to Colorado. We had friends in Fort Collins that they stayed with for a while, but somehow two of them ended up in Greeley. So now when I come back to the States, I come to Greeley. Now, what's going on with the conflict in Haiti that you fled the country and that you're here now? The main problem in Haiti is that gangs have taken over. Gangs had been armed and used by different groups in Haiti, different uh, millionaires and politicians had their own private gangs, but they've gotten out of control. And uh, this is the first time that gangs, gang violence has reached where we live. We live east of Port-au-Prince in the mountains in a small community, and there's never been any violence up there. But uh, now we have to face uh, people coming up with guns and robbing the stores. And so... The, sh- the stores that were in our area have closed, and that's why we haven't gone back yet. We have our house up there, but we don't feel that we're in a lot of danger ourselves of being kidnapped, but um, it's just it's hard to function. You can't function if uh, you have to worry about being stopped by armed bandits on the road whenever you go anywhere, so... Why do you think there's a problem with gangs in Haiti right now? It's hard for Americans to imagine something like 60 to 80 percent unemployment. Not only that high a percentage of unemployment, but for generations and what that does to a society. A lot of judgment is easy from the United States about how messed up Haiti is, but it's hard to imagine the conditions that have created it. I don't think Americans could could uh, cope with the kind of suffering that Haitians have been dealing with for generations as peacefully as they have been until now. It's the presence of weapons, of guns, that has really screwed things up. Because now you get a bunch of young kids that had no hope for any future, give them a gun, tell them they can get money by kidnapping and robbing, and, and uh, well, that's what's happened. So how you stop that uh, in the past, there have been lots of interventions, 
But this time, there's there's nothing. It's like uh, the international community apparently has given up on Haiti and is just letting it rot because there's no intervention, there's no help. The immigration policy is, well, you know, we don't want you. What is your hope at the end of all this? I would hope that the United States and Canada would listen to what sincere, educated Haitians are saying about what needs to be done to get a political solution, what needs to be done to get an economic solution to the country, because the path it's on is not a solution. It's the source of the problems, and they're only going to get worse. And there's the, the politics are, are, are so hot you know, the idea of having this factory and it's working normal, it hasn't worked in Haiti. It worked for a while and then, then it didn't. Ron Blanchy is a 1973 graduate of Greeley West High School. He and his wife, Carla, have been living in Haiti for the past 37 years. The new movie, No Bears, is the work of an Iranian filmmaker actually banned from filmmaking by his government. He continues to make films anyway, and the movie also is about a filmmaker working under terrible conditions. KUNC film critic Howie Mofjavitz teaches film at CU Denver. He says the picture is a testament to human ingenuity. The story of Iranian filmmaker Jafar Panahi is sad and enraging. Right now, Ponahi's in prison. In 2010, he'd been sentenced to a six-year term for propaganda against the system. That ruling was suspended, but he was banned from filmmaking for 20 years. Yet he's continued to make small films which play at major film festivals, Berlin, Cannes, Telluride, and also play in theaters around the world. But last summer, when Ponahi visited two filmmaker friends who'd been jailed, the authorities grabbed him. And although Iran's Supreme Court reversed the original conviction and Panahi supposed to be freed, the Iranian government won't let him go. From the point of view of a Western film critic, Panahi's major crime's been to make films of exceptional humanity and decency. His work includes The White Balloon, The Circle, Taxi, and now No Bears, released last September after Panahi was put in prison, and of course while he's still banned from filmmaking. No Bears opens on two lovers who meet on a street to talk about getting forged papers in order to leave the country. It's an unexpected scene because women are not wearing headscarves and there are signs in English. Then a man walks in front of the camera, he's an assistant director, and via Zoom talks to Panahi himself, who gives instructions on the shot. Cut. Turns out this is a movie scene being filmed across the border in Turkey and a partly fictional Panahi's directing from Iran. And another story unfolds which takes place in the remote Iranian village where Panahi's gone to work on this Turkish picture. In the village, Panahi winds up in the middle of a conflict connected to very old traditions. Years earlier, a newborn girl was promised to a man, and that man now believes that Panahi filmed her talking to another man whom she apparently loves. The villagers are angry and suspicious, and it seems that whether Panahi's dealing with fictional life in the Turkish film or life in the Iranian village, he's surrounded by dangers and risks. And let's not forget, 
The reality of the Iranian village is also a fictional story, as is the version of himself Panahi creates for this very movie. It's a tricky edifice the actual filmmaker Jafar Panahi has built for No Bears. Both stories take place in social worlds dominated by arbitrary rules that frustrate love and freedom. The village stories couched in superstition and ancient ritual. The girl's umbilical cord was cut for this man when she was born. But hypocritically, the man only wants to marry her after another woman rejects him. In the Turkish story, the two lovers, who look to be close to middle-aged, face a maze of government paperwork, surreptitious travel plans, and tricky border crossings. Like the characters, the actual Jafar Panahi also faces arbitrary and deceptive laws, and he is always in danger. With no bears, Jafar Panahi confronts tyranny with imagination and delightful irony. In his movie, Panahi plays a man who simply won't knuckle under. He doesn't throw bombs or even march. He tries to thread his way in and around the scaffold of absurdities and malice his government sets up. Just two days ago, Panahi issued a statement from prison saying that to protest his unlawful and inhumane treatment by the Islamic Republic's judiciary and security forces, he would stop eating, drinking, and taking his medications until, quote, maybe my lifeless body would be released from this prison. For KUNC, I'm Howie Mofshevitz. That's all for today on Colorado Edition. Thanks for listening. You can find this episode at our website, KUNC.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. If there's a story you'd like to hear, send us an email at coloradoedition at KUNC.org. Our theme music is composed by Colorado musicians, Brianna Harris and Johnny Burroughs. Other music in the show by Blue Dot Sessions. I'm Jocelyn Mesa Miranda. For the last several months, I have been your host. Thanks for joining me on this journey. We will return very soon with a better show for you all. For updates, make sure to check our website. We're hoping to launch a new version of the show in the spring.